Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. When you think of the landscape of Chicago's West Loop, what probably comes to mind is a trendy and quickly developing neighborhood with new modern buildings rising up around you on every corner. But the neighborhood also has some curious old timers that can be easy to overlook next to the gleaming glass towers. In another installment of our series, What's That Building? We're going to explore just one of those structures, one that's worn many hats over the years, but whose current purpose is kind of a mystery. Here to give us the scoop, as always, is our architecture sleuth, Dennis Rodkin. Dennis, now you've said yourself that this building's quite curious looking. So describe it for us and where it is in the West Loop. Uh, it's at 600 West Washington. So it's in it's not in the part west of the Kennedy that people think of as the West Loop. It's in the western part of the loop is really the way to think about it. But um, it, it's a fascinating building because you do actually think you're looking at two buildings, one hiding behind another. First floor is wrapped in, uh, the street level is wrapped in flat limestone, like a lot of buildings from the middle of the 20th century. Mm -hmm. Second story and partial third story are this red brick Victorian with these beautiful roof lines, wonderful sort of tuning fork parapets. It's just gorgeous. Um, And as it turns out, I found the first floor used to look like that as well. It had these beautiful arches. The whole, it's on two sides. Uh It's on a corner site. And there were a dozen brick arches that wrapped that building but I believe in the 50s. It looks like in the 1950s. So that, that limestone look came later. Yeah, it got that sort of skirt slapped onto it. And and so the problem is you kind of look at this thing and think, ah, I don't know, because it, 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 like, what's going on there? And so I don't think people have quite the love for it. Yeah. They might if it had its original look intact. Like two-toned, three-toned? <laughs> yeah. Well, or yeah. like one building hiding inside another. Right, right, as you described it. So so the building, it has a much longer history than many of the buildings in that area of the city. What was its original purpose? It powered streetcars. Chicago had streetcars, ah. like the ones you picture in San Francisco, where a cable runs underneath and the Toronto. street. And the And Toronto. And there's a like an arm that comes out of the car and clasps onto the cable. Mm-hmm. And then it's pulled down the street. And when you're ready to stop, you let go of the cable. The cable for some of Chicago's streetcar system was, was operated from that building. Um, we don't know when the building was built. We know it was, it was in operation by 1890 for one of the street railways. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now it's a three-story building, but it had no floors. It was a big empty shell. It was like a big cavern. Because that wheel that powered the streetcars was 35 feet tall. Wow. And there were giant bins for coal because I I believe somebody with a shovel, but it may have been done by animals, had to feed these coal burners to create the steam to power this 35-foot wheel Ah. that pushed or pulled cables through a circuit through the city, uh, through a, a piece of the city, all sort of in that neighborhood. Right. So then it becomes obsolete in just 16 years, because, or, or about 16 years. We know the building was operating by 1890, and by 1906, 16 years later, we've switched from steam-powered cable cars mm-hmm. to electric street cars, which have cables running overhead on the street, and they run on rails. So that cable building you had is obsolete. Okay, so when Chicago fully transitioned to the electric street cars from the cable cars... Nothing happened after that with the building? Well, at first it sat empty. And then at some point, somebody builds floors in there 
um, fills that that big empty space with mm-hmm. floors, and it becomes offices for uh, street railway companies and various agencies that, if you watch, it sort of all leads to the formation of the Chicago Transit Authority, which puts its headquarters offices in there for a couple of decades before it moves out to the merchandise market. Yeah. And we don't know the exact age of this building, do we? No, there's nothing in the public records. There's an article from uh, the 1950s in the Chicago Tribune that says, uh, yeah, nobody knows. Nobody has any idea. And I thought, well, it's 2023. We can find it, but still can't find it. I was like, it. if anybody can find it, it's yeah. Dennis Rodkin. <laughs> well, I don't think that way, but thank you. Um, and we couldn't find anything about no when it was records. built. So we know at least 1890, probably within a few years earlier. So uh, did the CTA offices move to the Merchandise Mart because of this space? Uh, Well, I think they were looking for something more sophisticated. You know, the Merchandise Mart was sort of the happening place in the 1950s. They had that big station uh, just to the east of the Mart, and there was the Merchandise Mart was just much more happening, and the West Loop is becoming a little bit more of the skid row that it's going to become in future decades. And so... I think they were, you know, moving to a better neighborhood. Who took over the building after the CTA? Uh, first vacancy. It was empty for a few years. And then uh, a union, the Interna- International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, moves in in 1954. And I'm pretty sure, but not certain, that they're the ones who wrap it in limestone, give it that sort of two two buildings look that it has. And they probably are the ones who took down, it had a 250-foot smokestack. So it would have looked like some of the high-rises in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. It had a smokestack 250 feet high from those coal furnaces, obviously not in use for decades. So let's rip that down. Yeah. So you went down and you, you took a look at the building. Did you go inside? I have tried to get inside. I could not get inside. Um, I, it, in fact, it took months to get the current owners, we'll talk about, even to respond to my phone calls and emails. Don't know what's inside. We do know it's been empty since 2018. In 2016, the the union, the IBEW, built a new building down on King Drive in Bronzeville. Mm-hmm. Uh, or the, I'm sorry, they were building a new building in 2016. They sold with the agreement that they could be there till 2018 in this building on Washington Street. Mm-hmm. In 2018, they move out to their new building in Bronzeville. And as far as we know, it's been sitting empty since then. So we've been talking about the history. Why don't we jump right into talking about the present, Dennis? Yeah. Who are these current owners S. C. What's Johnson. their story? Uh, it's really interesting. S.C. Johnson, a, com- a very well-known company in Racine, they make Raid and Pledge and many other household products. Oh, yeah, I remember hearing their name yeah. on the commercials. And they have, they have a big architectural presence in Racine. Their offices are a very important Frank Lloyd Wright building. At least two family members built Frank Lloyd Wright buildings there in and near Racine. They have an architectural um, footprint. So in 2016, when a lot of companies were moving to the West Loop, S.C. Johnson bought this building from the union. Mm -hmm. They paid more than $8 million. And the agreement, as I said, was that the union could stay till 2018 when they moved out. When when Johnson bought the building, it said we're moving 175 jobs to Chicago. Mm -hmm. And and the company implied, when talking to one of my colleagues at the time at, at Cranes who covered commercial real estate, they implied they were building there. They didn't, if you read it, they didn't say we're building. Um, They implied they were going to take this down and and build. But that's seven years ago. They later signed a lease, or I'm sorry, at that time, they signed a lease for rental space in an existing high rise just a few blocks away from this site. Mm -hmm. 
and nothing has changed since. At that time, they were renting into one, and it looked like they would build new on this site. And maybe it would be something pretty cool because, as I said, they've got this architectural footprint in their hometown. Uh, But since uh, 2018, it has sat there with no change. And it's, it's kind of interesting, Sasha, because when you walk up to the building, I had looked in the public records and found that Johnson owns it. But their name is on the building. There's a printed Still. paper from a computer that's, that says S.C. Johnson and a phone number. So, you know, I mean, they're acknowledging their ownership. Um, and I guess that's if there's an emergency, call us. But they, uh, when I finally got a response from them, it was we're not responding. They, they won't say what they're doing with it. Um, I thought. I mean, it just begs the question. I mean, why did they make the purchase? I think I I think they probably thought they would build. There, there's also an I mean, article. They, they in the, spent millions spent of dollars. Eight million dollars. Yeah, yeah. But they're an enormous com- company. I don't have their revenue here in front of me, but I'm sure they're true. You know, and it's a nice write-off just to sit on. I'm wondering why they haven't put it back on the market yet. Uh, That's a good question. So at the time, it was in the Racine papers. There were articles in the Racine papers saying that they had bought it. And there, too, you don't see that they're going to build. Um, what it says is they've bought this building for offices. Now, I think the Racine reporter may not have been to this corner and seen, yeah, mm-hmm. S.C. Johnson is not putting offices in this kind of rundown. Not rundown. This just sort of a lump that sits on the it's corner. It's not the prettiest. It's not the prettiest. But, you know... If you could strip off that limestone, I think those brick arches are probably inside. And if you cleaned off all the soot, I think we would have a Victorian low-rise office building that we would love. I mean, the top is fantastic. Yeah. The top half is great. And it, and if the bottom half and the bottom half in the old image, uh, there's an old image from the '50s in the Tribune that shows all these arches. It was a great building. I mean, so it's the 1950s. Victorians seem out of date. Right. Let's wrap that thing in a in a shrink wrap skirt of limestone. <laughs> right. But if you could strip that off, you might have. I mean, we might have a, an old Victorian office building that we loved again. Wow. So you, you mentioned, you know, that some have been speculating that uh, it would be a good place for a new skyscraper. This spot. <laughs> yeah. Some have been speculating for 70 years. <laughs> there are articles in the 1950s when the CTA moves uh, the CTA moves out to the Merchandise Mart. The Tribune was saying this seems like a great place to build a high rise in the 1950s. I mean, and here, is. 70 years later, we're still saying, gee, seems like a place for a high rise. High rises have been built all around. Right across the street is the Harold Washington Social Security Center built in the 70s. So for 50 years, and there is a hotel that was built in 2016 on the other side. For 50 years, high-rises have been rising all around this site and all around that part of the West Loop. Mm-hmm. And this thing has just kept sort of hunkering down on its site. So the, the big question here, tear it down, sell it, rehab it? No answers from S.C. Johnson. No answers from S.C. Johnson, but it would be very interesting to see. I mean, so the office market was in a very different position in 2016 when S.C. Johnson bought it. Now, of course, with COVID and all the other things that are happening to downtowns, uh, it seems unlikely they would get back their $8 million, But maybe, I mean, a, a residential developer who can put up a 40-story building, perhaps, uh, so they might get their money back. But... Uh, maybe they sell it for less and somebody rehabs what's there. That no 175 idea. jobs would have been great for the city. Yeah. Well, they so they did come. They're in another building. Ah, Those okay. 175 jobs are in, or I don't know if it's still exactly that number, but they're in a uh, an exist, they're in, I think it's the building that used to be called ABN AMRO, 
sort of green and silver building. I don't know its current name. Just about uh, two blocks east of this site, gotcha. right next to the metro, right next to Ogilvy. So the jobs came. Nothing done with the site. Nothing done with the building. Dennis Rodkin is our What's That Building contributor, also residential real estate reporter for Crane Chicago Business. Thank you so much, Dennis. This episode of Reset was produced by Andrew Merriweather, who edited the episode along with Stephanie Kim. If you like what you're hearing, consider subscribing to our podcast. And if you're already subscribed, have you made sure to leave a rating and review? That may seem small, but it really does help more listeners find the show. That'll do it for Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the news live on WBEZ and NPR. The WBEZ stream sounds great in the kitchen on your smart speaker and anywhere on the WBEZ app. Listen every day.